Hey, it's great to be back together. I'm easing back into being in the studio just a little bit, being online and at work a little bit. As many of you may know, I had this crazy experience about a week, week and a half ago where my gallbladder decided to rebel against me from the inside. It was this terrible experience. Don't worry, I'm not gonna show you pictures, at least not this week. But I was telling the staff that I've watched probably like 15 to 20 movies amidst my recovery. I really like work, and so it's been a little bit challenging to rest. But the other day, I watched four basketball movies in the same day. Two I introduced to my son, two are just for myself, so he and I, he's five, he and I watched um, Like Mike and Look of the Irish, classics, and then I watched Hurricane Season and Glory Road. And besides being a less than average basketball player in high school, I love these movies because they set this stage, the world building, it's so big. It's these communities that are in peril or in troubled times, it's these tensions, often racially in these sports films that are being addressed. And then there's this moment where the coach just has this great speech. And so I'm going to be tempted, but I will refrain from trying to give a great speech tonight after seeing some great basketball movies a few days ago. But one of the things that is a through line or a theme through all those movies reminded me of something that we read in the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs is probably the book of the Bible that is written most directly to you. It was written as a collection of wisdom sayings to young, elite, financially well-off leaders. Now, you may not see yourself that way. That may not be your Snapchat or Twitter bio, but in the scope of human history, if we think globally, that probably does define you, that you are the top of the top, that you are part of the 1%. You are part of an elite group of students and young people. Yes, you have had troubles. You've had difficulties. Many of you have faced systemic injustice and oppression. But as we look at it, like this book is written to us because it's wisdom passed from generation to the next generation, to the up and coming leaders, those that will be telling truth to power, those that will be speaking life where there's death, those that will be leaders of hope and change. And one of my favorite verses is in Proverbs 29, 18. And I'm reading out of the King James Version because I thought it'd be cool to go old school. And it says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now that second part is less popular, but I was telling my son about this. Um, I was telling him that one of the benefits of playing by the rules is that you no longer have a fear or an anxiety of getting caught or getting yelled at or of being reprimanded. But I want to focus in on that very first part of that proverb, that wisdom saying, likely from Solomon, who's considered in Scripture to be the wisest person that ever lived. And he wasn't wise because of of himself, but because he had this really interesting conversation in the Old Testament with God, where God says, I'll give you anything, and Solomon asks for wisdom, and then he becomes incredibly wise. The Old Testament is full of great stories, and so if that's not a part of the Bible, that first half that you've read, man, maybe it's over break, maybe it's in the new year, that's something that you dig into in your life group. But Proverbs 29, 18, the first part, where there is no vision that people perish. One of my favorite speakers growing up was Herbert Cooper. He still is. And he said something uh, at a talk I was at at a church service probably eight years ago that I still hold dear in my heart. He said this. He said, the mark of maturity is the ability to get excited about doing the same thing repeatedly. 
In other words, when we think about vision, especially in kind of a leadership is sexy culture that we're in in our Western American city life, metropolitan and urban context, when we think about leadership and it feels new, I think what's really interesting is Proverbs 29 is talking about the importance of vision, about knowing the direction, and it's telling us what we already know in our hearts and in our minds, that when we lack vision, we perish, we fall apart. Other translations hint that we we fight or we quarrel. One of the ways we say that in Chi Alpha is like this, if it's easy to fight with each other if we're not fighting for something greater. And I love what Herbert was talking about. Sometimes the vision isn't something new, isn't something that's going to be a shift, but the vision sometimes is to stay the course. The vision sometimes is to hold steady. One of the most popular imperatives in Scripture is this phrase, to stand firm. It's not the phrase to retreat or the phrase to advance, but to stand firm. Over a few minutes together this evening, or whether you're watching this on demand later, I want to encourage us that we would put our eyes and our attention on vision. And just to recap, Chi Alpha is an expression of the kingdom of God, hopefully designed for those that aren't here yet to be a family on mission to bless the campus and the city, to help develop lifelong followers of Jesus even beyond your campus years. That's why many times I get up in the morning excited about logging on to another Zoom, excited about spending time on Instagram TV, is that we really do believe that by God's grace and because of your participation, that we're a part of a vision that's bigger than any one of us. In fact, discipleship relationships between life group leader and life group member have been going on in our campuses since 1999. That's not necessarily a mark of our strength, but a mark of the faithfulness and the goodness of God. In the life of Jesus, we see him subverting through his teaching and his miracles how people perceived God the Father, how they read the first or the Old Testament. But we really do see him providing a vision for a kingdom that was foreshadowed, that was sampled, that was given kind of a preview in the Old Testament, and then he lives it out to its fullest. Even when we read Jesus' words, it says like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Like, that's a callback to Deuteronomy. That's not new. It's a summary of what was, and Jesus highlights it and brings it into the forefront. And so tonight, you've logged on, you're in the middle of finals probably, maybe you were tempted, you know, how would they know if I'm not here? I might skip a week. I want to say thank you for being a part of our community. Yes, I'm so thankful that you're a part of life groups, so thankful for our life group leaders that invest in one-on-ones over FaceTime or phone calls with each of you on a regular basis. But I also really treasure this time together on Thursdays because we really do believe in the power of learning together so that we can be gathered for this moment and then scattered out to live out the gospel so that others might know Jesus. See, for us, it was said really well by one of the guys in my life group. We don't gather at life group or gather on Thursdays to to be kind of closed off in a Christian bubble. We gather to gain strength and perspective and vision so that we can live out the gospel outside of life group night, outside of Thursday night and weekly worship. 
I don't know about you, whether it's politics or the pandemic, whether it's rearranged holiday plans or figuring out what life looks like in this weird thing called 2020. I have found myself many times feeling like parts of my soul might be perishing, and I think it's because I lacked some vision, whether it's in my personal relationships or personal finances, whether it's in ministry or in some friendships or partnerships. Man, it's often a lack of vision that can cause us to become disconnected or disengaged. But I want to remind you that you chose to be here for a purpose and that God is going to use every moment that you pursue Him. In James chapter 4, it says, as we draw near to God, He draws near to us. Your investment will have a return. Your participation, your stepping up into serving, into leading, it will have real-world tangible results if we're willing to stay the course, if we're willing to continue to sow the seed, if we're willing to be patient and to be hopeful in waiting to see what God might do. It's been said like this before, that many of us give up right before our breakthrough because of distaste for waiting or because of a desire to not be patient. I pray that in this season, that as God redeems all the difficulties we're going through, whether it's medical issues like I faced or whether it's financial issues that you might be facing, God didn't cause that, but God is there waiting to bring relief and He is willing to form you in that. One of the ways I feel like the staff and I are being formed is to have eyes of greater gratitude to where the Lord might be moving. I think that one of the ways that He might want to be speaking to you tonight is to remind you that you're not just part of a Bible study, you're not just watching a sermon video or surfing on YouTube, that you're a part of Chi Alpha, a family on mission. You're a part of something that's meaningful, that involves others, and that has the opportunity to have an eternal impact. Just think about that for a second. Many of you are part of our ministry and you've never met us as staff or as leaders in person, and yet the Holy Spirit is knitting us together through conversations, through confession, through shared laughter. Our hearts are becoming one. There's this brotherhood and sisterhood that can exist under the fatherhood of Jesus that is happening even when we're separated by geography, even when we're not living in physical proximity. As you're processing some of the news or lack of news about spring 2021 from Georgetown or from American, I think that the word that I would want you to receive tonight is to stay the course, to trust that as you invest that God's going to move to, with hopeful expectation, continue to make deposits. Not just deposits in Chi Alpha because we're an organization, but deposits into a community of believers, trusting that the Lord will use that to shape you and hopefully to shape the stories of others. One other passage I wanted to look at in our time together is one of my favorites. And in Mark chapter 10, it starts in verse 46. And it's going to set the stage for a few verses. And then we're going to see one of the most interesting exchanges that I think scripture gives us of a person in need colliding with a person named Jesus. Verse 46 says this, Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. So get this. 
Imagine it. They're at the end of their time of ministry. They've probably already manifested miracles and healing. And right as they're packing up and leaving, they see somebody begging. It's commonplace um, in, in, in the first century at certain geographical places, especially around what we'd call church or synagogue or temple places. And in verse 47, when he, the beggar, saw that it was Jesus, began to shout. Uh, when he heard that it was Jesus, he began to shout, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. Verse 48 is really interesting. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But this man shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. This is something we're familiar with today, right? There's somebody in need, but there's a crowd of people who aren't in need who are holding the person back, who are bringing shame, who are making the outcast feel unloved. And then look at what happens in verse 49. Jesus stops and he says, call him. So they call to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak to his side, Bartimaeus jumps to his feet and comes to Jesus. And then verse 51 Jesus says this, it's in red letters in my Bible, what do you want me to do for you? In this intimate moment, Jesus, surrounded by people he's momentarily forgotten, looks into the eyes of Bartimaeus and asks this quintessential question, what do you want me to do for you? Now, if you grew up in church like me, you're wondering, like, is this a doctrinal test? Is this a Sunday school exam? What do you say when Jesus asks you this? But I love the raw need and raw tenacity of Bartimaeus. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And it says immediately Bartimaeus received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. I believe that Jesus is here and he's asking you the same question that he asked Bartimaeus thousands of years ago. What do you want me to do for you? So the beautiful thing about the gospel, the scandalous nature of grace is that Jesus doesn't just ask things from us. He wants things for us. He's not just asking for us to serve him without regard to our needs or desires, but he's inviting us into a relationship. In other places, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, but instead I call you friends. Jesus is looking at you through this word, through my voice, through your screen, and he's asking, what do you want me to do for you? And he's not hoping that you answer with a pseudo-religious thing like, oh, more time in worship, or remind me to do my devos, or meet me more in abiding. Those, those are important things, but he's saying, what is at the depth of your need and hurt because I want to be there with you? As I've talked to many of you over the past few weeks, whether it's through texts or on Instagram, DMs, or even through Life Group or FaceTimes or Zooms, I think that I may not know all the ways you'd answer this question, but I think I do know a few of them from, from what you've said. That you want to be a part of something. That you feel alone and need community. That you want your life and your story to make a difference. And that on your best day, you want to live for something greater than yourself, your own personal needs or your own personal dreams, that you want to have an impact beyond your own fulfillment. If that's true, Jesus offers something really unique to us as believers. He offers the empowerment of the Spirit, the giving of the Holy Spirit, and He also offers to us the body of believers. 
Luke writes in Luke and then in Acts, the story of redemption from the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the ascension of Jesus, then the proclamation of the good news about Jesus from the apostles and disciples. And what we see is the Holy Spirit is at work in groups of people, strangely, that are scattered, right? The New Testament is primarily letters, scattered leaders, scattered churches, imprisoned, persecuted. They are not under the best circumstances for a startup or a church plant. And yet Jesus doesn't just call them to himself. He calls them to each other. That's one of the hardest things about faith, but one of the most beautiful is that Jesus is perfect. His people are not. And yet to love Jesus means to love those who are also learning how to love him. Now, I want to be clear. Chi Alpha is not the kingdom of God, but Chi Alpha is an expression of the kingdom of God. And here's where it becomes practical. We'll have the greatest adventure in our faith. We'll have the greatest stories to tell one day at reunions, to our kids, to others around us. If we'll get this into our heads and into our hearts, and then eventually through our hands and our feet, that the ideas of Jesus aren't meant to just be discussed, but to be lived. In other words, if you and I wait for the perfect opportunity, the perfect community, we won't find it. But if we engage fully in what's in front of us, God will bless that and He'll honor that. One of the things I love to do when I'm leading life groups is to remind people that life group becomes what you make it. It's similar to a game of poker, kind of, you, you can't win more than you're willing to put in. There are so many things competing for your time and your attention. But as I've spoken to many of you, those things are coming up short. They're leaving you discouraged or disappointed. Now, Chi Alpha is far from perfect. I'm a far from perfect leader. I will disappoint you, frustrate you, and offend you, and hopefully none of that on purpose. But we really do believe that God is doing something special here, and that it wouldn't be the same without you being a part of it. So yes, next semester, it seems like for most of us and for our ministry, for most of you, the semester is probably going to look very similar to it did this semester. Spring 2021 seems like it's going to be a strange, unexpected extension of fall 2020. But I'm hopeful because I know that in these hidden years or what may feel like a desert season, it's where God does the deepest work in us. It's not where he does the most thrilling work. It's not usually where he does the most glamorous work, but it's where he does the work in us that will sustain us for the long haul. About 15 years ago, someone spoke this challenging word into my life, and I'm thankful that the Lord helped me to receive it. And they said this, Blaine, I hope you never get to a place where your gifts outpace your character. Or in other words, I hope you never get to a place where your gifts take you to somewhere your character can't sustain you. One of the things I'm learning in this season is that I need more of Jesus and more of the Holy Spirit than I ever admitted and that I ever expected. I don't know when the pandemic will end, when vaccines will be available, when President DeGoya, President Burwell will make changes and bring us to the all-exciting hybrid models that we're hoping and praying for. But here's what I do know, that following Jesus always brings benefit into our lives, and the healthier and more holistically um, free we are, the better we're able to relate and serve those around us. Many of you are leaders. You're leaders by nature. Some of you are leaders because you've been given those opportunities previously. Can I encourage you? 
I think God might want to be taking your leadership to the next level by going deeper in you in this season where you feel hidden or isolated. He doesn't want you and I just to survive this, even though some days it feels like survival is all that I can muster. He wants us to remember that in Him, because of Him, we experience His sufficiency, but also that as we draw near to Him, He is doing a work in us. Again, I want to be clear. I do not believe for a second that God caused this pandemic, that God forced you to, to, to go back home for, you know, high school senior year 3.0. But I do think He's willing to meet us. He's willing to meet Bartimaeus, and I think He's willing to meet you and I. Circling back to Proverbs, where there is no vision that people perish. It's our hope. It's our vision that you experience deep spiritual friendships in Chi Alpha that allow you to follow Jesus closely and then lead others to do the same. Now, this is an opportunity for us to lean in. Regardless of what's ahead in 2021, I want it to be said of me, of our staff team, of you, that we pursued Jesus relentlessly and that we did whatever it took creatively to engage in community. It's not ideal. It's not easy. It's an extra dose of awkward. Man, but I know that for the students that have really dug in this semester, man, they've seen those dividends in their personal life. So maybe you've been a little bit on the edge. Can I invite you in? Imagine that you're like Bartimaeus. Maybe you can't see very clearly, but he's calling you. And he's inviting you into a sacred moment. He wants to know and meet and sit with you in your greatest needs. So next semester for Chi Alpha, things are going to look very similar in terms of our ministry operations as they did this semester. We'll continue to do life groups through Zoom, mentoring one-on-one through FaceTime or phone calls, gathering on Thursday nights using our church online platform at dckyalpha.com slash worship. We've also got some things that we're putting into place in hopes of creating more moments to form us into a family on mission together. Because we exist not just for our own entertainment or our own edification, but so that Jesus' name would be proclaimed and that good works would be seen even by those that are far from him. A few of the things that we're wanting to do that we wanted to invite you into this evening is we wanted to do another summit. Thank you guys that were a part of that with AU, Georgetown, George Mason, Nova Community College students. So in the beginning of next semester, look out for another time for us to gather across campuses in our region to laugh, to encourage one another, and to keep our eyes and our attention on Jesus. So thank you guys that were a part of that. Thank you, Natalie and the team for leading so well in that. One of the other things that we wanted to do is create more opportunities for you and your friends to connect in with what we're doing on Thursday nights. So next semester, we'll actually have two weekly worship gatherings on Thursday nights. One will be at 8.30 and one will be at 10.30, and those are Eastern. But hey, if you're not in those time zones, we still would love for you to participate. We believe worship and teaching is that important, not necessarily because of what we have to say, but what we believe Jesus wants to say through His Word when we're together, and the things that He can do in worship when we put our attention on Him, and we do so in a collective environment. 
And then you're going to be hearing about something that we do every year in the spring called NLIs, Next Level Intensives. It's a course. It's one of the best things that we do, and it is designed to give you the tools and resources to equip you to advance in your faith personally, learn how to share your faith with others, and then become an influence and an influencer for the kingdom of God, not just during your undergraduate years, but also beyond. And that's coming up probably in January or February. Now, probably a lot to take in, a few announcements, a little bit of theology, but hopefully some vision and some perspective. And Jesus is here. He's willing and able to move and work. The question is, will we allow Him? Will we let Him know where our needs are? Will we share our worries and our concerns with Him? I saw something on Twitter that resonated with me, and there's a lot on Twitter that frustrates me, but someone said this really well. It said, complaining about God is probably a sin. Complaining to God is probably wisdom. That's what I love about the Psalms and other difficult passages in Scripture. It's usually ordinary people grappling with an extraordinary God in difficult circumstances and trying to work out how those three things can be in tension with one another. Hey, as a reminder, and I needed this reminder as a student in Chi Alpha many years ago, Chi Alpha isn't like a brand or a staff team, or a strangely cool logo. Chi Alpha is the people. You are Chi Alpha. You're being called and shaped to be Christ's ambassadors. And here's what I know about each and every one of you. It's the same thing that's true of me and our staff team. We could probably be closer to God next month than we are right now. There are opportunities for us to live out the gospel and share the good news, whether it's around the Thanksgiving table, whether it's gathered with friends from our hometown for Christmas. Our lives, our words and deeds can make an impact, just like you and I are probably here because someone else lived out and spoke out the good news and the gospel. And then the last thing is this. Sometimes we need to come in the opposite spirit to advance spiritually. And what I mean is this, the more you feel distracted and disengaged from a virtual ministry and community, perhaps the Holy Spirit would be empowering you, building courage in you to double down where you might want to back out. I'm not saying this so that we have better numbers or I can write better newsletters to our donors. I'm going to be here with the staff team ministering. Hopefully you'll be here, but whether you're here or not, we're going to be investing, tilling the soil, and praying for God's revival to break out in small pockets across our campuses. But I share all that to say is that we are part of something exciting, but as Matt Chandler says, that faithfulness to God often looks like showing up in a million mundane moments. So whether you're in a class with people you've barely met over Zoom, whether you're figuring out student org life digitally, whether you feel like you're in your parents' basement and you've never really become an adult yet, there is a purpose for your life. And Scripture is clear. Our purpose is to grow in our love for God to begin to be shaped into maturity by Him, and then to lead lives of peace and grace and goodness. Not that would make our ministry attractive, but that would make Jesus attractive to those who might be far from Him. In closing, someone said this, and it resonated with me. And they said it years ago, but it just came to mind. 
It's, man, Jesus is great, but he needs new PR because his followers don't do the best job about showing that he's a God of love, forgiveness, joy, and grace. I want us to live our lives as a community when we're together and we're scattered apart. Man, that people will not only see us as people of peace and joy and truth and authenticity, but that we would talk about the things that matter most. And hopefully, that's Jesus. Hopefully, it's what you're learning on Thursdays and Sundays. Hopefully, it's the relationships you're building in your life group. I want to pray for us as we respond and worship, as we think through what it means to stay the course, to stand firm, to resist disengagement, to lean into the vision God's given us. We can't do this on our own. This was designed for us to do together. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you put in front of us dreams, ideas, challenges that are bigger than we would put in front of ourselves if we were the author of our stories. God, I pray that as we continue to invite students to not only take responsibility for their faith, but to live that adventure of taking responsibility for the faith life of those around them. God, will we see relatives come to know you? Would we see classmates over Zoom engaged in a relationship with Jesus for the first time? And will we be people that would have spiritual conversations, not trying to prove anybody wrong or that we're right, but so that we would love people well and that we would talk about the things that matter most in people's hearts and minds. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.